When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Produced by the iLab at WBUR, Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Asfahi. And I'm Yasmin Ammer. Okay, <laughs> it's T minus like, I don't know, eight days maybe? It's supposed to be next week, but I am so nervous about having a baby. I'm so excited that we're able to share this with our audience and our listeners yeah. because I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so I'm excited for you. It's going to be great. Well, there's a lot to think about. You know, we're getting the nursery together. Um, haven't done a great job with that, but we're mostly there. But you know, there's there there's a lot of nervous about beyond just like the initial stuff of getting things ready. It's really scary to think about having a kid. You know, there's this little being and you're going to help shape his little personality. Yeah. And I assume a lot of that fear comes from not really being able to control how you can shape and what you can do and Mm -hmm. you know there's so many outside factors yeah outside factors that are completely outside of my control but you know my husband and I have been having those conversations like what do we want to prioritize when we're raising our child and I find myself thinking back to a really interesting piece from the Atlantic it's titled stop trying to raise successful kids and it's by husband and wife Adam and Allison Grant here's Adam I think that parents are overemphasizing success at the expense of caring and kindness. And I think that they should stop it. And I think that because the evidence is clear that in the long run, the kids who achieve the greatest success are not the ones who faced a ton of pressure to get straight A's. They're the ones who were taught to be concerned about others and show compassion. So Adam and his wife, Allison, have three kids of their own. So they know a thing or two about raising children. They also know a thing or two about psychology. Allison is a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and Adam is an organizational psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania. Adam also hosts a really wonderful podcast from TED. It's called Work Life with Adam Grant. He recently came on our show to talk to us about the Atlantic piece he co-authored and why he thinks parents should pay more attention to promoting kindness 
it starts with the kinds of conversations they're having with their kids. There was um, there was a, a study out of Harvard that showed that the vast majority of parents say the number one value they're trying to instill in their kids is kindness and caring. But then if you ask their kids, their kids think achievement and happiness are more important to their parents than kindness and caring. And so I think where the discrepancy comes into play more is it, it's just a lot easier to pay attention to achievement day to day, right? I, Allison and I noticed when we'd sit down at the dinner table, we'd ask our kids, you know, how was the test? And how was the game? And immediately, you know, your, their attention gets focused on grades and goals, and they're, they're kind of laser, laser focused on, on achievement. And so one of the, the things we started doing was we shifted our questions. And we started asking our kids once a week at dinner, uh, who did you help this week? And lo and behold, at first, we, we got a lot of, uh, I forgot, or no one. But as we kept asking, they started coming up with more and more thoughtful answers. And I think part of it was they noticed there were things they were, they were doing on a week-to-week basis that helped others. Part of it was they knew we were going to ask, and so they looked for opportunities. And then Allison added another question, which surprised me. She said, well, who helped you this week? And my first instinct was, no, we want them to be givers, not takers. We, we don't need to ask that part of the question. And Allison said, no, we need to ask that because I want our kids to pay attention to who the givers are in their class. Uh, so I think that's a conversation that every parent ought to have. What do you both think? I mean, it, it's so interesting you say that. So we're both the children of immigrants, right? And we joke all the time about this, that <laughs> there's a really high expectations <laughs> in some of our communities. You know, it's just like they really want you to submit yourself in this country. So growing up, I often felt like there's nothing more important than doing well in school and, you know, being that high achiever. Is there something you'd like to tell our parents? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think they should look at the systematic evidence that that tells a very different story. Uh, so I'll, I'll just rattle off a couple data points. One is a study of uh, of how much money people earn in their careers. And if you rewind the clock, uh, it's the boys who are rated as helpful by their kindergarten teacher who end up earning more money 30 years later, not the boys who were the stars academically in kindergarten. And there's another study showing that Middle school students who go out of their way to help and cooperate with and share with their peers, they actually get better grades and higher standardized test scores than their classmates who are less caring and helpful. And so, you know, this, I, I think if you, if you put together these data, what you start to see is, okay, there's something about being taught early on to, to be concerned about others that actually enhances your own success later. Adam admits that the reason for this is still a bit of a mystery. There could be all sorts of factors as to why kinder kids tend to do better. Um, I guess it's maybe because soft skills matter the older you get. Yeah, maybe. And maybe part of it is validation. Adam says we should praise kids for kind behavior. But I wondered, does that create another kind of competition you know, would some kids see kindness as yet another achievement rather than just a way to be? Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, Andrea, my first reaction to that is to say there are worse things to compete for. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, if, if your biggest concern about your kids is that they're too motivated to be the best helper, you know, your, your problems are pretty minimal. I think, I think there are a few ways to think about this. The, the first thing I would say is uh, we want, I think we want kids to think about this in terms of values and identity, not just accomplishments. Uh, so this, this speaks to one of the, the most interesting ways to, to raise kind children. Uh, there's, there's some evidence that nouns are better than verbs. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> you may be wondering. Uh, what, what it means is that if you, if, uh, if you praise kids instead of for helping, being a helper, then they're actually significantly more likely to step up and be generous. And what seems to happen there is, is they take, they start to internalize the behavior as part of their identity. And so then, you know, a few weeks later, they feel like their action actually reflects on their character uh, and they're more likely to, to do it. Um, now, this seems to work best between about ages eight and 10, but even, even as young as three, uh, there's, a, there's a great experiment in preschools where if toddlers are asked, not will you help, but will you be a helper? They're 22 to 29% more likely than to help. Even that young, they want to earn that identity. And so, you know, I think if, going back to the question, if, if you get kids to think about this as, you know, as a daily behavior you practice to express yourself, um, you know, to bring your values to life, it's much less of than a, a, a box to check as an accomplishment on your resume. Okay, so at this point in our conversation, I'm taking all sorts of mental notes. And then... Adam gives us a very important reality check. That's up next after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. Our guest this episode is Adam Grant. He's an organizational psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania, and he co-wrote a piece for The Atlantic titled, Stop Trying to Raise Successful Kids. Before the break, we heard from Adam about using nouns rather than verbs to encourage kindness. Like instead of saying, thanks for helping, it's more effective to say, thanks for being a helper. It reinforces being a helper as part of their identity. That's a very practical piece of advice. But it also got me thinking how important words are and how sensitive kids can be to them. So I asked Adam, are there common mistakes he sees parents making when it comes to how they communicate with their children and the words they choose? I, you know, honestly, I think it's, it's more about what they don't say from my perspective. So one of the things that a lot of parents miss is... Uh, if you if you look at kids who grow up to be generous and socially responsible, uh, they, one of the defining beliefs they have is that they matter in the world. Um, so mattering is a, a term coined by sociologists to capture the feeling that other people notice you, care about you, and rely on you. And I think most parents are pretty good about the first two. 
I think where I've watched most parents miss the mark is on that last piece, which is kids need to feel dependent on in some way. That That's how they believe they make a difference. And so one of the ways that that I think we could we could have that conversation with them is actually to ask them for advice. I'll give you an example. Um, so four years ago, uh, I was getting ready to, to give my first TED Talk. And I knew I was going to be on this huge stage uh, that there would be you know, people I really looked up to in the audience and that probably millions of people were going to watch the talk later online. And I was extremely nervous, despite the fact that I've given thousands and thousands of talks at this point, And I thought I had, <laughs> I had conquered public speaking anxiety. And so before I left for Vancouver, uh, I sat down with our daughters and I said, I'm, I'm nervous for this big speech I have to give. What do you think I should do? And I was amazed. Uh, they, they started giving me good suggestions. I got, well, you should find one friendly face in the audience. I'm like, you know what? I can actually do that. And I'm going to ask a couple of friends who I know are going to be there to sit in a particular place. And I'm going to make eye contact with them at the beginning so that I know somebody's cheering for me. And we had this whole conversation. And then I was able to report back on what I applied and how it helped me. And what I'm trying to do there is show them that, you know, that, that I can actually learn from them, that they have something to offer, even though they're, they're young and they know a lot less than I do. And I'm also trying to build their confidence. And lo and behold, one of our daughters then was in a play a few weeks later. And instead of telling her what to do, I was able to go back and say, well, what did you suggest to me when I had to get on stage? And then I bet you could follow your own advice. And so it was an opportunity for me to, to teach them a little bit that they can rely on themselves. And I think we can also rely on them. And I'd love to see more parents do that. I, I found it really powerful. Okay, so let's pause here. If you're a parent or a parent-to-be, there's one very important caveat in all of this. What you do, all that effort, matters, but only to a certain extent. Most of us overestimate our influence as parents, and we underestimate how much of our kids are shaped by their biology. Um, I think, you know, that's not to say that the parents are trivial in any way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, we know that, that peers often matter just as much as parents do. At the end of the day, I, every parent I know has tries to ra- tried to raise every one of their children the same way, and they end up different anyway. So... Uh, you know, I think I think it's it's obviously important to to be intentional about what we teach our kids, but we should also be we should also have some humility about the fact that there are ways our kids are going to develop that are completely out of our control. In other words, parents, in case you really need to hear this, stop beating yourselves up. And here's another important point: instilling kindness in kids doesn't mean you're teaching them to be pushovers or just be givers. Adam says few of us are purely givers or takers. A lot of us are what he calls matchers, or people who believe in reciprocity, in fairness. So I think we we need some matchers in the world. I think that along with teaching generosity, we need to teach justice and fairness. And I think when when people act selfishly, they need to be held accountable uh, to do more for others, to think about their community, to expand what's often called their circle of moral regard. And um, I guess that's my broader hope is to say, look, you know, people are, I want to I live in a world of kind, caring, decent human beings. But I also want to live in a world where when people violate those principles, uh, there's, you know, there's a, a real sense of justice. 
So when when we talk about raising kinder children, what we really want is to raise matchers. <laughs> I think what we want is well. Let, let's apply this to the coronavirus. So in a pandemic, what you want is you want. I think we want the default to be to give, and then say, look, if I encounter someone who seems to have, you know, more of more of a taking stance then I'm going to shift into matching mode and say, look, you know, I expect you to pay it back and pay it forward. Uh, most of us want to be generous. And also we, when, we, when we see somebody else act that way or when we're recipients of generosity, um, that creates a, a feeling of what's called moral elevation, which is we realize we can do more for others, we want to do more for others, and we often rise to the occasion. And I love thinking about it this way. So encouraging your kids to be kind and generous goes way beyond them. Their acts of kindness could inspire others to do the same. And I feel like that makes all of these lessons all the more important. Like we've heard so many times on our show, that ripple effect of kindness, it's real. Thanks to Adam Grant for joining us. He's an organizational psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania and the host of the podcast Work Life with Adam Grant. He and his wife, Allison Sweet Grant, also recently wrote a kid's book about generosity and thoughtfulness. It's called The Gift Inside the Box. Thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Our show is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor, and Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. We'll be back with a new episode of Kind World next Tuesday. But on Friday, we'll have another classic Kind World episode in your feed. Just, you know, a little dose of kindness to start your weekend off right. Take care. Have a great week.